Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor Swalm, CEO at FinSecurity. And today we have back on the podcast a good friend of mine, Brian Mahone. Brian, how are you doing? I'm good, Connor. How are you? Oh, I'm doing amazing. If I were any, if I were any better, I'd be a twin. I always say that to anyone else that's listening. A but, twin. Uh, I like that. I'm, a, I'm actually a triplet. So you decide what that means uh, if, I, if I'm a twin. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, you're a cyber insurance expert. Is it fair to say that? It's pretty fair. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Very confident. And on our last episode... Got to be worried about uh, agency errors and omissions thrown around that expert word. Yeah, I, um, I never try to call myself an expert. It makes me feel weird. But uh, on our last episode, we talked about cyber insurance, where it was pre-COVID and post-COVID. And today, you know, what we almost got into was problems with cyber insurance. And that's what we're going to get right. into today. So what are some problems that you see with cyber insurance as a person who lives and breathes it? Yeah, I got 99 problems with cyber insurance. It's not one. Um, we, we have a ton of issues here uh, from an insurance industry perspective uh, when it comes to cyber liability, right? First, th- there's a knowledge gap or a talent gap, just like you know a lot of industries are facing right now ever since, uh, yeah, I guess they coined it the great uh, resignation. Yeah. Uh, but the average insurance agent, um, I believe in the U.S., is around 45, 55 years old. Don't don't quote me. There's different data points out there. Um, but you could probably tell if you're watching, I guess, the, the video version of this that I'm not. Uh, so that's a, a, a good thing that, you know, uh, nobody grows up and wants to be an insurance agent, let's say. Um, maybe you be Jake from State Farm for Halloween. Uh, but, you know, everybody wants to do something a little bit more sexy, work on Wall Street, be a realtor. Um, so there's a knowledge gap. Uh, and I think part of that is, historically speaking, you know, cyber insurance has been around for 20 plus years, as, as we mentioned on a previous episode. Um, but the commissions weren't there. I mean, cyber was kind of, a, oh, yeah, I don't really think I need that. Uh, it was very simple to underwrite. And there were, weren't really cyber specialists out there. Um, it, you know, maybe the big brokers, you know, there's 40,000 independent insurance agencies in the United States. Maybe the top 10 or 20 might have a cyber team or a cyber specialist. But um, now we're seeing some more middle market ca- uh, agencies and, and certainly carriers develop, you know, tech and life science or cyber practices. So it's getting better, but it, it hasn't been good. Um, so... There's a talent issue. The second issue with cyber insurance is is the product. It's a very immature product. I'll say it's matured very fast the last few years, um, but there's no standard form. So what I mean by that is there's no standard skeleton yeah. 
or or cyber insurance policy makeup uh, like there is in other insurance products. Like there's uh, ISO industry standard organization that says, you know, here are the bare bones for a property policy or a general liability policy. Cyber does not have that. So if you're comparing one cyber policy to another, um, they are truly custom forms or policy wording products. So it makes comparison uh, difficult and it makes business owners um, skeptical, you know, rightfully skeptical. And they're like, what the heck is even covered in this policy? Um, Right. I had a a question on that real quick. We had mentioned in our last podcast that we are now, the industry rather, is now collecting data that is used to write more accurate policies. So how does a how does a standard form, I, I'll use the, you know, the overused colloquialism, one size fits all. How does that fit into everyone has their own data, their own environment, their own risk? It, it's hard to say. Um, you know, in our industry, you have to know both the kind of IT terminology and the insurance um, industry terminology. So that can be difficult. Um, as far as yeah, data goes, I mean, some carriers are kind of veterans in, in the cyberspace where they have much better claims, historical data. Um, and there's new kind of insure tech carriers who are um, using more predictive analytics and looking forward, looking for, you know, that one in 100, um, uh, you know, cyber incident or data breach or, you know, the, the, the big flood, uh, so to speak. Um, so it's, you know, they're all doing a little bit differently, but uh, some are just, you know, pulling out of entire industries saying, you know, we're not going to write small K through 12 schools. They're too risky. We're not going to write manufacturers. They're too risky. Some are um, altering their product, right? Going back to that standard form. Uh, there is none. So if they want to carve back their policy language and their coverage, they can do that. There's no one saying, you know, to be a cyber policy, you must have X, Y, Z. Um, and then others, yeah, getting smart with underwriting, using the claims data of the last 20 years, predicting forward, using, you know, risk assessment tools like a, like a bit site or external scans. Um, s- some carriers are doing active monitoring or what they refer to as active monitoring, where if you're a policyholder of a specific carrier, they're going to continue doing those scans throughout the policy term, and they'll actually notify you of a vulnerability like, you know, an open RDP port that's exposed to the Internet mid-policy term, not as a way to say, hey, you know, we're going to deny your claim or deny your coverage, saying, hey, we see something that a hacker could use, a, a door, so to speak, to open uh, to cause some issues. So we're notifying you as a way to help you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I remember looking at two different policies with a buddy of mine that someone had placed in front of him. One was nine pages long, and I'm going to bastardize this horribly, but it was like basically, does your front door lock? And is there a human that opens it in the morning? All right, (laughs) great. Here's your cyber insurance. I was like, wait, what does this have to do with, you know, the servers and, and, and the infrastructure and the hardware that's at the actual device? I mean, at the actual place. And then the second policy was, to give you an example, do you deploy MFA? All right, what's the tool you use? All right, how often do you refresh your policy around this? Do users get onboarded? Do they have to do this? Is every single account enabled with MFA? It's like, now it's getting to what you and I know. It's like, oh, well, that creates additional risk if they don't do that. Totally. 
Yeah. And, and you can tell that some carriers, you know, probably going to get hammered because they're not asking anything. And other ones, maybe they're asking you so many questions, they don't even want your business because <laughs> they, they're not very aggressive or they're paranoid of claims or whatever. Um, so there's, there's definitely, it, it, you know, uh, a few different, uh, I'll say, we say risk appetite in our, in our industry. So if you're... Uh, risk adverse, you know, the carrier is asking a million questions. They're not going to, you know, give the best premiums if if they're um, risk tolerant. Then hey, you know, here's a policy, no questions asked. We'll put it on the books. Do you see a lot of that still happening? Not a lot, no. And and it's and it's very risk or, or business specific. Like mm-hmm. nobody's going to get an online quote for a you know hundred million dollar school district, right? Uh, but you know your your two million dollar revenue doctors' offices. A lot of them have cyber insurance policies that, or they should at least. That you know, it's not really any any questions being asked. Uh, so you yeah. know, we'll we'll continue to adapt and evolve. And you know, those carriers that aren't doing you know proper risk management um, will probably change the way they do business in a couple of years, or they'll or they'll go out of business. You know, gone are the days of the. loss ratios on cyber insurance lines. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that to, to, to your point where, yeah, some of these carriers, Oh, you know, this new sexy carrier that starts maybe with the letter C, uh, goes out and underprices everything and writes all this business. And then the claims come in and then all of a sudden they can't write new business. And a lot of times, uh, they'll sell, they'll sell the carrier in hopes that somebody else can turn it around. Um, so we, we see, yeah, a lot of kind of mergers and acquisitions in, in our industry, both at a, a, a carrier or book of business level, and then also down to the agency or to kind of distributor level. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I work a lot in the MSP industry. It's what we serve mm-hmm. at Finn, and you work in cyber insurance. And specifically, you have knowledge of the MSP industry, helping them understand cyber insurance, right? help them write policies for their clients or get them involved in any way. So what would you see as the primary gap between the MSP industry as it stands and cyber insurance? Yeah, I think I read, I don't know, a poll on LinkedIn or somewhere. I wish I took a screenshot because it disappeared into the Internet abyss. But uh, essentially, MSPs are, are, are treating kind of cyber insurance one, one of four ways. Uh, there's kind of a, I call it kind of a professionalism scale. So on one end, you know, you've got MSPs that are mandating all of their uh, customers have cyber liability insurance. Then, a kind of a step below that, you have MSPs strongly recommending cyber liability. Um, from there, you have them, uh, you know, not really strongly recommending, but saying, oh, yeah, it's a good idea, go for it. And they, they're kind of stay out of the conversation. And then, hopefully, most MSPs are, are done doing this, but completely avoid the conversation altogether. Laissez faire. I don't tell my clients how to run their business, none of my business, leave it up to them and, and their insurance agent. And I think the first two camps have it right for for a number of reasons. I mean, MSPs are looked at as hopefully a trusted IT advisor and being able to kind of recommend adjacent professional service providers uh, just helps them instill that uh, professional advisor status. Like, Like for me, independent insurance agent, I mean, we've been recommending, you know, reputable industry specific um, CPAs, 
lawyers, uh, HR consultants, bankers for for decades because we have to you know differentiate ourselves and compete, be that trusted risk advisor. Same is true for for MSPs. Um, on the other hand, you know it just makes financial sense uh, for MSPs to recommend cyber insurance because you know your client has to pay that you know monthly reoccurring revenue IT bill uh, if they're insured properly and they have an issue, I mean, their business interruption is covered by a cyber policy. So um, not to mention, it creates opportunities for MSPs, right? So either small business can't qualify for cyber insurance, or they want preferred treatment from underwriting by being a good risk. They want, you know, lower premiums, lower deductibles, higher limits. So they invest in IT controls, typically through an MSP. And then to kind of wrap this all together and put a bow on it, Connor, these carriers are starting to monitor these policies. So, you know, maybe an MSP, you know, implements some controls and now their client can get insured and they can get better coverage. Then halfway through that policy, you get that notification of, oh, cyber insurance carrier says we have this, uh, you know, this open port or, or we have you know, some sort of issue, and all of a sudden the MSP made a couple hundred more dollars of, of reoccurring revenue with no salesperson, no attempt, no initiative, no marketing budget. It it, it, it just is kind of a, a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy a little bit there. So you're telling me that cyber insurance carriers, the people who are creating these policies, have a way, or in some cases, to monitor the, the stack of tools that an, MS, that an MSP's client is using and maybe how it's configured in certain ways. And they'll help you point out vulnerabilities in your client and say, hey, your client needs to change this. This is uh, a risk. And I think you gave the example last time of there's an open RDP port exposed to the internet. Hey, go shut that off. You're saying that's happening right now. Is that common? With, with a good cyber carrier, good policy, yes. I mean, that happens regularly. Or, yeah, they can see things on um, kind of their their email, their, their DNS server, their, their uh, yeah. website. So, you know, the cyber insurance carrier isn't inside, uh, you know, your IT network, but they're, they're scanning externally and they can get a little bit of data there to, to, you know, help point out vulnerabilities. And they don't say, you know, call this guy to fix it. They say, hey, here it is fix it. And they leave it up to the policyholder, the business owner. And, you know, nine, nine out of 10 times, they already have an MSP to forward that email to, to say, Hey, you know, should I fix this? And how much is it going to cost? Well, that gives me two thoughts. The first is, wow, that is a big opportunity for the MSP, the, the trusted IT advisor, because now you're having a third party who is in control of your business goes under as a result of a cyber attack they're there to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's an opportunity for the MSP to not only be a more trusted advisor, but they don't even have to do the selling. And the second is, I would love to have you back on the podcast. And I want to talk about the future of security awareness. Where is this monitoring going? Is everything going to be oh. big brother? Is the government going to get involved? I don't know. I, I'm sure you and I could, uh, I don't know, over a beer, come up with the weirdest and wildest future scenarios. But I'd love to know what you actually think is going to happen. Let's do it. So awesome. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. It was your host, Connor, CEO of Finn, and Brian Mahone of EHD Insurance. And 
I'll have him back on at some point and we will talk about the future of cyber insurance. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.